hello there and welcome to the AFA podcast, this official podcast of animationforadults.com. This is episode 83. I'm Chris and I'm joined this week by Rachel. Hi Rachel. Hey there Chris. How's it going? Good, I'm glad I was able to be here. I was barely, I was cutting it close, was just barely getting home from work and uh, just barely making it in time. But I'm glad I'm here because there's a lot of really cool stuff that's been coming out and uh, actually I'm really excited about the film that we're going to be discussing today and... Uh, I believe is that's the Mune, the film that's just come out from G Kids. Yes, on the day we are recording is the day that it's actually uh, in cinemas from G Kids in the US, but it will obviously be coming out on Blu-ray and DVD in the future. I can't tell you exactly when, but uh, in the near future. So we're we're going to talk about it <laughs> a little later where, after we've gone through some news and stuff. All all the happenings in the animation world, and yeah, and it's good to be here. And I appreciate your dedication, Rachel, coming after hard day's work. Uh, just a lot of phone calls. This really is all it was. Like I was just I was sitting sitting in the office, just taking phone call after phone call after phone calls. Like okay, well, time to go home. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, We'll get on with some animation news. Yay! Uh, Lots of G Kids stuff, I think, was coming down the pipeline, I think. There's a surprise, because G Kids <laughs> pop up on this podcast quite a lot, because they're always doing awesome things that we have to talk about. Yeah, and they're um, super nice. Yep, and they have picked up a couple of awesome new films that uh, will be coming out before this year is out in the United States, America, and Canada. And yeah! Those films are. Uh, the first one is a film we have mentioned before on this here podcast uh, called Mary and the Witch's Flower, uh, which is the f- the first um, feature from Studio Ponok, uh, who are a bunch of mainly a bunch of ex Studio Ghibli staff. Uh, they were started by a former Ghibli producer and they've got lots of staff because it looked like Studio Ghibli weren't going to be making any more films so uh, lots of people moved on to Studio Pollock and then obviously Miyazaki went actually I'm not done (laughs) and everyone went oh what a surprise just Uh, kidding guys just kidding but in the meantime uh, other people moved on and uh, started work on their first film and it is directed by Hiramasa Yonebayashi, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's the director of uh, Arietti, which was released in the US as The Secret Life of Arietti, and he also directed uh, When Marnie Was There, uh, which was the last Studio Ghibli film to date, and yes, this is his third film, and we've seen the trailer before, and it looks very Studio Ghibli-esque, and mm-hmm. it's, it's got a lot of uh, Ghibli touches, and it's based on an English novel uh, called... No, I haven't written down. <laughs> <laughs> it's not called Mary and the Witch's Flower. I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> but it was uh, a children's based, novel. Based on a children's novel by the, the British author Mary Stewart. And it's directed by Hiramasa Yonobayashi and directed by Yoshiaki Nishimura, who is the founder of Studio Ponok. And he was also a uh, producer on when Moni was there and other Ghibli films. Okay. And the script 
script is written by Rico Sakaguchi, uh, who um, was a, who also wrote the script of the tale of the Princess Kaguya. Yeah, so, I was about to say that was oh goodness, that's good. That's a lot of rather really great talent coming into this movie. And yeah. you can tell definitely if you take a look at the trailer that this is, um, yeah, definitely you get a lot of the Studio Ghibli vibes from mm-hmm. looking at the um, the character designs with like the um, the main protagonist. It's got very soft features, and a lot of the effects animation also is pretty similar to what would come out of uh, Ghibli. But still, I in terms I'm not really familiar with this story very well, but it looks definitely like something that would that would be told well through animation. Like, uh, lots of tra- really supernatural stuff. The trailer, it gave me vibes of uh, Kiki's Livery Service meets Howl's Moving Castle. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess I can kind of see that when I'm looking at the trailer. It's, yeah, it's a very cool combination. A little while ago, the international rights to the film were acquired by a UK company called Altitude Films, and they're going to be releasing it in the UK at some point. Uh... But G-Kids uh, will be releasing it in North America this winter. Can't tell you any more specific than that at the moment, but there you go. That's that's what we know so far. And Interesting. Very excited. <laughs> well, it's good. That means it's coming coming to the US and UK. That's more people mm. see it, the better. The other film that G-Kids films have um, picked up recently is a a little French film by the name of... The Big Bad Fox and Other Tales, <laughs> uh, which is from one of the directors of Ernest and Celestine, which was a French traditionally animated film that was Oscar nominated for G Kids a few years ago, and well, it was very very cute. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> this looks very very cute as well. Oh yes, like it's it's just oozing charm cartoonish kind of like sim- it's it, it seems like the like a simple animation you know in terms of like the um just like the character designs but it's i like i love the the animation style it's just it's so so charming it's based on a graphic novel called the big bad fox uh that was written by benjamin brenner who is one of the directors of the film and he was also a director on ernest and celestine Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it is like an episodic film with uh, like three separate stories in it, uh, based around mm-hmm. the characters on a farm. But basically, why it looks good is because of uh, all all the um, animation style is super adorable and uh, looks sort of <laughs> watercolory. It looks it looks like children. It looks like children. It like children's book comes to life basically. Yeah, like, like a, a a children's graphic novel, or um, you know, like that it's based on, or just like a, a storybook, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And again, this is coming out sometime in the winter, uh, in cinemas in North America. Mm-hmm. And uh, it the film is co-produced or produced by Studio Canal, uh, who are a European company. So I would assume. At some point, Studio Canal UK will release it over here. Mm-hmm. So, but the I date is the yeah the date they have not yet to announce a date. Yeah, no, they haven't. They haven't even announced that they darn to release it. But come on, guys, they, they released Ernest and Celestine in the UK, um, but they'll probably I would guess that um, G Kids will probably 
produce a dub for this because it would kind of be daft not to because it's obviously got a a um <laughs> a big family appeal and they dub pretty much everything uh i think <laughs> i think uh like the occasional thing um the girl without hands does it subtitled it was subtitled yes yeah i don't think they dubbed that and <laughs> I no and it. you know what i actually i appreciate that I, I actually really enjoyed watching it in the in the french language with subtitles mm. i think it's only like the most like the most niche things that they won't uh bother to dub <laughs> i th- i think they will dub this so and then mm-hmm. Studio Canal UK can release that version in the UK, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Yes. Um, so yeah, those are the the films coming from G Kids this winter. Woohoo! Nice. That's they're they're just. Uh, it's amazing at the, the the rapid pace that they're acquiring movies to uh, to put out, which is just it's because it seems like every single time we they put out one, they're immediately going to the next one, and it's like. That each film is more interesting, or like you know, to see than the next. Like it's like it's going and going and going. Yep, they're gonna have a good like winter time because there's that. There's uh, but uh, the breadwinner. There's look all these films coming out. So, which is good because something needs to fill the void that a certain um film that came out, I believe, a few weeks ago that I, if I recall correctly, kind of uh fell flat on its face, so I'm glad that there are other animated films on the way to fill the void. I don't know what you could possibly be talking about. Mm, well, I have no clue. It's like it's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> but another animated film is coming out in the US in uh, September that has just released a trailer, and that is Loving Vincent. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, so we've been going over this movie a couple times on the podcast before as well, but uh, this is our first trailer for it? Yeah, there was like a teaser footage type thing when we were first writing about it, but mm-hmm. this, is, this is like the first proper like story trailer, theatrical trailer type thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, And it looks quite impressive i'd say definitely <laughs> yeah well the whole the whole premise of it is basically you know it's a tribute to uh vincent van gogh's work mm-hmm. and uh art you know paintings and everything and while also kind of being like a you know story about you know what his life was like in terms of you know like the people who knew him and choosing to tell this kind of story in this way really does i think it more so than i was expecting and you know at first before actually seeing like a good solid like chunk of what the movie is going to look like like yeah it, it is definitely like taking like this beautiful vision of what you know this artist was able to accomplish in his lifetime in terms of artistic style and just giving it motion mm-hmm. which is incredible to see they call it the world's first fully oil painted feature film and um it, it, it features uh, 65,000 paintings produced by 125 artists from around the world. Uh, it shows, man. It it comple- it totally shows, at least with the, the detail that they're able to give to this animation. 
and it's a UK Polish co-production. Uh, although for some reason most of the voice cast seem to be Irish. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's got uh, Saoirse Ronan, Chris O'Dowd, and Aidan Turner, who's the um, uh, he's the the dwarf. No, yeah, he's the um, he's the handsome dwarf from uh, the Hobbit. <laughs> Uh, define which one because there's there there's a uh, there's a couple. The 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 sort of romantic hero one. Uh, oh oh okay I know the um I know the character's name but unfortunately the actor's name is escaping me but I know who you're referring to. He's the one who's not um Richard Armitage who who was mentioned in the last podcast. <laughs> oh yes 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 yes. Um, he was uh Keely was the character's name so if you've seen. The uh, live version of the Hobbit, then you'll and I, you hear that name, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. But yeah, he was the ste- he was the scene stealer dwarf. And uh, if if you're watching in if you're listening in the UK, then he's also he's also the main character in Poldark that your mum watches probably. Mine does <laughs> anyway. I think, most, I think most mums watch it. So uh, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, and that is coming out set. September. Oh wow, that's soon. September twenty second in the US. Um, it is coming out in the UK October thirteenth. So, not goodness gracious, too long to wait. But it did play at the Annecy Film Festival and it won the Audience Award there. It was very popular, and supposedly it um, like sold out all its screenings there. So, animation fans are getting excited about this one. Oh yeah, and I can completely understand why i mean it's it's nothing like really has ever been done before so definitely deserves its due credit for experimenting with something you know in terms of you know making it the first oil painting you know a feature film completely done through oil paintings so definitely if you're in if you're looking to try and get check out check that out definitely check out the trailer first and then if you like what you see get a ticket because there this is a very unique uh, movie experience that I don't think everyone's ever seen before. So check it out. And moving on from that, the world of cinematic releases and into the world of streaming for another couple of stories. Um, nice. And one of them is that Disney have announced that they are going to be ending their deal with Netflix in the US uh, starting in 2019 they are going to instead of having their latest films on Netflix they're going to be setting up their own streaming company or streaming service uh, hmm. to watch their films and TV on um, yeah uh, part of I will admit part of me is really sad to, to hear this because that's a lot of um Disney films that I was really fond of that I didn't have uh, DVD copies of um, I, that I was able to find on Netflix, like The Hunchback of Notre Dame and a few others. Like, I was really, really happy to, you know, have a Netflix account so I could, you know, be able to see those on Netflix. And, I mean, though, in, if we're speaking in a business sense, this is a smart move for Disney so they don't have, you know, make, why, why give another company a part of the share of the profits when they could just make one of their own an own service for themselves in order to like fully streamline their media, their films and their shows and etc. But still it's part of me is sad because it's like, okay, well now I just have to get I'll have to get a whole separate account if I'm gonna ever be able to watch some of those movies again. Apparently so far they've said it's gonna be uh, like Disney and Pixar 
and they haven't decided what to do about Star Wars and Marvel so they could make separate deals with that or they might be really annoying and go actually we're going to do one streaming service for Star Wars <laughs> no please I, dear god no I mean it'd be really sensible if they did it all on the Disney thing because you know that is quite a um a catalogue to boast of like, oh no all, yeah all the Disney films like all the Star Wars films and all the Marvel films all in one place that'd be most of Pl- the films Plus the shows. I mean, one of the things, like, a part of the reason I was able to watch a whole, like, you know, the Clone Wars television show or the um, animated series that they had on Cartoon Network for a while, like, even after it left Cartoon Network, was because they, you know, because of that deal, they had Clone Wars, the pretty much the entire show, all up on Netflix. So I was able to catch up on episodes I had never seen before via that uh, streaming service and I was able to watch the whole thing to completion which was, I'm really grateful that I had that opportunity to do so I could fully appreciate the kind of the work that went into that show. But yeah, I was like, it's not just so much the movies, so it would be a smart ploy to you know, maybe like have like a one-stop shop for not just the films, but even some of their uh, their classic television shows. I mean, because sometimes, you know, you put them on TV or on Disney XD, and, but chances are people might miss an episode or two you know, just due to, to scheduling, or maybe they don't have a DVR, but they do have internet access, so why not give them access to say, okay, you miss, you may have missed an episode, if you want to go back and watch it, it'll be on this streaming service. That would that would just lure more people in. Well, here in the UK, that, that Disney deal never existed in the first place. Mm. Uh, so we didn't have all those Dis- we've, you know, we had some Disney films on Netflix and some on Amazon as well, uh, but um, Disney have got their own thing in the UK called Disney Life uh, ah. which is an app thing uh, that I'm I'm pretty sure at some point it or it definitely it had films and or other things including apps like games that were included oh. with it um, huh. and it was nine ninety nine. but now it just seems to be films and uh, um TV and uh, books and music, and they seem to mm. scrap scrap the apps, and it's now four ninety nine. Um, but it gives you a sort of indicator of what they might be going for because it's got uh, like lots of classic Disney films, both animated and live action stuff like um, Mary Poppins, okay. etc. But nice. it's, also, it's also got um, uh, what they you know they call them box sets. Even though mm-hmm. see, it's not in a box set if it's on a streaming service because it's not in a mm-hmm. box, but um, they <laughs> also have um, they also have uh, live TV from Disney Channel and Disney XD and Disney Junior, so hmm. that also explains why you can't access Disney channels on like other streaming platform things. So okay, that's why I can't watch Ducktales. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, so yeah, it's it's quite annoying if you've got Netflix, but uh, you can you can see why they're doing it, and they're probably yeah. the only company that can really, well, one of the only companies that can pull it off convincingly. And you know, at the end of the day, if there's like a service that you can sign to uh, and get like access to all the Disney classic films and. You know, like their TV things, like Gravity Falls and stuff. Then, or even some of like their classic, uh, their classic Disney afternoon cartoons would probably pull in a lot of people because 
lot, I mean, obviously, DuckTales is, you know, in terms of the reboot, that's, you know, already going to pull in both classic and, you know, you know, new fans who would tune in to check out that show, but maybe have, like, other versions of other Disney afternoon shows that may have not got, you know, haven't you had a chance to either get a reboot or re-advertise, or like, like you know, Tailspin or Chippendale uh, Rescue Rangers or Gargoyles. That would be cool to see come back on a, on a streaming service. Yeah. And Disney could do it, because like you said, they've just they've just got so much stuff that they can afford to, like, compile it all in one pl- one or one or two places even to have people like hey you want to be able to watch all this like great old stuff that we haven't put out in a long time here check it out here it's like oh great just pay a small fee and you'll be able to watch it whenever you want but for now you can continue to watch those disney films on netflix in the u.s and you will also be able to watch them through next year uh, any releases next year will also still be going through as part of the deal but after 2019 onwards then it the deal is no more so mm-hmm. enjoy it while you can uh, indeed indeed but it's not all bad news for netflix subscribers because uh, they are really getting into anime <laughs> <laughs> was there I, I forget there was a poll done wasn't there to see like how many like people tuning in or who have Netflix accounts are watch- actively watching anime and I believe it was a, it was a good bit of them wasn't it uh, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I saw that um, but they they had a special presentation in Tokyo uh, to basically announce their plans for mm-hmm. anime going forward um, oh and this might be what you're talking about uh, they they said that um, they've discovered that 50% of Netflix users in Japan watch anime and uh, but overall 90% of the, the anime watched on Netflix is done outside of Japan so yeah that was the poll I was talking about yeah yeah so there we go lots of people watch it so that's why they're getting into it um, and they have uh, announced like 12 anime series coming anime series and films coming 12 to, going to uh, uh, Netflix in the near future and they've actually I think since then uh, added to it uh, since this was written up um, mm-hmm. like uh, just to go through some of it it's Fate uh, oh, I don't know how you say that <laughs> Fate, Fate Apocrypha Apocrypha oh god now I'm doing it shit Sorry, everybody. Fate Apocrypha, or something, uh, which is the uh, latest film in the Fate, the latest series in the Fate Stay Night, or whatever it's called, series. Yeah, Fate Stay Uh, Night. Yeah, Uh, and that's coming like later this year. Um, A series called Kake. Oh, I didn't think of these. Kakeguri. Yes, Um, which is based on gambling. Extreme gambling in a high school. Extreme, g- oh boy, yeah, yeah. Um, that's got a very distinctive visual style, I'd say, and it's based on a popular manga. And uh, it's actually like already been airing in Japan, but it's going to be on Netflix next <laughs> year. Uh, but uh, in the more interesting side of things is the stuff that they're actually co-producing, uh, and they are co-producing a series with Bones. 
Oh, yes. Awesome. Called Ico Incarnation. Uh, that looks very interesting. It's a bio sci-fi action series. And it's got some pretty nifty artwork and trailers and stuff that you can check out. Uh, and that is going to be coming to Netflix next year as well. Mm. And uh, Masaki Yuasa's Devilman Crybaby that we have talked about before. Uh, which is based on the classic uh, Gonagai character, Devilman, but produced in Yuasa's unique style, by the looks of it. Uh, and that, again, 2018. Um, and uh, there's a series from Production IG, which is going to be a Netflix uh, original, uh, called Be the Beginning. And before it was referred to as Perfect Bones, but they've changed the title. And it's a serial killer mm-hmm. thriller. and production IG are a bit good so (laughs) (laughs) they are extremely good so um yeah all all we have right now is just like the uh the poster of it with uh three different characters but definitely like from this uh it looks promising like I definitely would need more information to go on but in order to check it out but it definitely looks interesting and one of the most exciting things is Cannon Busters uh which is created by LaShawn Thomas uh, who is also uh, been working on Children of Ether for uh, Crunchyroll uh, mm-hmm. and this got a crowdfunded pilot uh, a couple of years ago or last year and um, is being produced as a series uh, by Netflix, the anime studio Satellite and the UK's Manga Entertainment and mm. And the creative team also includes Natasha Allegri, who is the creator of Being Puppycat and a oh. veteran of um, Adventure Time and series like that. So, oh, that's awesome! So yes, that is going. This is like one of these international co-productions that's going to be worth keeping an eye on. Um, Definitely. I'm not going to go through absolutely every every. Uh, no, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's all sorts of things. There's uh, there's movies uh, based on uh, Godzilla and uh, <laughs> the classic series Saints They Are. And, yes. And uh, um, there's even a stop motion series uh, based on like a um, a Hello Kitty style merchandise character. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you'll find the the link in the show notes uh, to the article with all these pretty impressive lineup of anime and there's more coming up and I know that a lot of anime fans are not all that happy about this because of the way Netflix have been releasing their stuff as in they don't simulcast they are releasing things to be binged like yeah quite a lot it's been after. kind of frustrating and people are, are used to them coming out the next week and like no it's out next year and like what <laughs> yeah well, I had I had I experienced that problem with um uh gosh uh, Kudomokuro they were releasing that on Netflix and uh, they released the first season you know at least the, what they they called the first season and then even while I knew that uh, the second season was already well underway and even finished like there was still like no sign of any further episodes coming out for uh for that show on Netflix to the point where it's just like is this are they ever putting it out? Like, you know, even though it's tech, that this show is technically done, just like they, they did, like I was just stuck at that one cliffhanger that they left off at the end of the first season. I'm like, no, no, I need to know what happens. 
Come on, Netflix. It's not fair. There's going to be a lot of anime on Netflix, so... Oh, yeah, so they they better get better about this, otherwise they're going to have a lot of ticked-off people. Well, I think the most interesting stuff is stuff that they're co-producing, actually. I think that's... Yeah. Especially... Yeah, Saint Seiya, I was not expecting. (laughs) I mean, working with with, uh, not only Production IG, but Bones, it's like, yes, work with all the good people. Go on. Go on, do that. (laughs) Just make something really good, guys. Just here's, here's some resources. Just go to town. And I'm also glad because most of the anime they they co-produced to start off with seem to be like all CG stuff, and uh, they seem to actually be funding uh, more traditionally animated stuff now, which is good because that's what I want for my anime, not <laughs> not, <laughs> not the CG stuff, which doesn't tend. It's to they're they're, they're still experimenting with the CG stuff. It's it's they I think they've yet to really crack the code in terms of making that look right. I mean, there have been there have been some examples, I think, of it done right. It's just that it's actually not for the anime medium. It's been for um, it's been for mostly in video games productions actually, where I've seen it done well. Captain Harlock actually looks really good. Uh, that's one that is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, very good looking. That is. <laughs> it's, it's an alright film as well, but it's... Uh, no Uncanny Valley is what you're saying. <laughs> Not too bad, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, so check out that uh, in the show notes if you want to find out more about all that anime that's coming up. Oh, yeah, because since I said there was 12, and then at least one other thing has been confirmed as a Netflix exclusive. It's the new, like, Kyoto Animation series, uh, mm. which is one of the things people are complaining about uh Oh, okay, their, gotcha. Their releases, because it's like, oh, it's not going to be on Netflix outside Japan until, like, 2018. They're, like, when they're airing it. They're releasing it in Japan soon, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people are disgruntled. Um, <laughs> there was one other story, actually, that we didn't cover on the site, but probably should at least mention. And okay. And that, that is the news of uh, Sony buying a a like controlling share in Funimation. Oh, really? Did you, did you not know about this? No, that that went under my radar somehow. This is um Sony's uh, TV arm, basically their their Sony TV, whatever it's called, <laughs> Sony Television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm... yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they've bought. Oh, um, huh, that's that's interesting. Yes, and so that's and supposedly they're going to be like um, making a big deal of it on PlayStation. So going forward, so we obviously don't really know much about how that's going to affect anything. Uh, it might mean the end of the deal with Crunchyroll, possibly, because they might see them just as a a um, competitor rather than someone to collaborate with but mm-hmm. we shall see uh, it will probably help Funimation uh, go up against big companies like Netflix and uh, um, Amazon who are yeah really getting into yes. anime as we've said <laughs> yeah they're no longer they're, they're, they're quickly becoming uh, you know going down the ladder in terms of you know 
who's got you know the most animated zoom. It's like Crunchyroll and Funimation are still pretty up there, but with everyone else trying to get into the game, who, who knows how long that will, if that can last. So hopefully, well, this will be this will do some good things for Funimation because I want I want to see them do well. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they, they do good. They do good work over there at Funimation. Yes, hopefully they won't change too much about what they do. Um, mm-hmm. But they might be able to like use Sony's expertise in some things, like uh, with their <laughs> streaming technology and things like that. Cause yeah. Some people would uh, don't think that their their apps are as good as certain other companies, but they they've definitely got better. I can say that I've been watching some stuff on the Funimation PlayStation app recently, and it. It actually works now, which is good. <laughs> I know. I'm so thankful for that too. Because <laughs> it it kind of was really buggy before. It was. And it's improved. Really, now. really messy. Yay! Good job. So yeah, news. That's the news. I think. <laughs> that's a lot. No, that's a lot. That's come out just this past week or so. Yeah. <laughs> Going go to the next. Bit. Feeling okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, 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 I want to talk about Moon. Moon, moon yes! Yeah. Guardian of the Moon! That's that's what we're here to talk about today, because we uh, we're very fortunate, again, to receive a screener from G-Kids to um, not only see if we can have a, a official review up on the site, but also be able to talk about it here on the podcast today. And, uh, yeah, we both, we've both had a chance to see it, and... Uh, We'll offer our thoughts first, um, our non-spoilery thoughts in terms of us just our general opinion on the film, and then um, then we'll probably get into slightly more spoilerific discussion. I mean, it's it's interesting to talk about this movie because there's a lot of really special things in it, and I you know I'm really happy I saw it for sure. But um, it's in terms of the overall plot, I'm not entirely sure exactly how much of it goes. I would like to not avoid spoiling like the really good stuff that comes out later in the story, but. It's a rather, like, straightforward narrative for an animated film, which is not a bad thing by any stretch, but it's just, it's more difficult to talk about certain elements, which is like, well, it just, it feels like a spoiler, but at the same time, not truly, like, how do you, how does one define a spoiler for a film like this? Yeah, it's one of these cases where the story isn't particularly the most interesting thing about it. Uh, Mm -mm. But I do enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah, it's not saying it's a bad story, it's just, it's not that's not the main draw here i don't think it's uh... yeah it's, it's not it's not what's designed to pull you in in this mm. movie so i didn't know a whole lot about this when i when i first started um hearing about it and covering it for the site uh mm-hmm. um and i will be honest that i wasn't entirely convinced what i saw at first i was like this is different for G kids I I don't know where they're going with this but you know I was also thinking yeah but it's G kids and they tend to have good taste in films so I thought I I will um, I will reserve my judgement and then I started to see more more sort uh, sort of like trailer and everything and I thought oh actually it's it's quite pretty and then um, (laughs) then I actually obviously got the chance to watch it this week and uh, I I was very very pleasantly surprised because I I really like this <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very charming it's a very charming little movie and as far as you can definitely see 
who this is marketed to in terms of audience. It's like, it's you definitely like, you know, kids and maybe, you know, it's a nice family film to sit down with, you know, uh, little ones to put on and just, you know, have a lot of fun. But even despite that, even like in terms of like the, the narrative, um, you know, being targeted for that age range, the visuals on display in this film are wonderful. Like, I love the character designs. Like, that's one of the things I always, like, latch onto first whenever I watch a film. If you haven't, if you've noticed how when I talk about films and podcasts, like, you know, you know, you always notice I tend to go for the character designs first because that's mm-hmm. always what strikes me initially. But even beyond the character designs, you know, themselves, which really, you know, stand out, it's also the backgrounds are wonderful. And just the world itself it creates is, you know, simplistic, but it's... It's beautiful in its simplicity. And the thing is, it actually starts with a 2D sequence, which, you know... It is, does! It's not uncommon in in a lot of, like, Hollywood CG as well. You'll, like, get things like Kung Fu Panda or whatever, have a, a 2D yeah, yeah. intro sequence. But it, it seemed appropriate for this, because it's kind of, you know, it's almost like a storybook tale or whatever, so it's like it, mm-hmm. it sort of sets up the world, and, and then... But then it goes into the the CG and like the imagery and everything is very impressive. It's it's um very it's very stylized and uh, which they sort because they obviously haven't got the budget of a Pixar film or they haven't even got the budget of an Illumination film. You know which are relatively speaking cheap by Hollywood standards. Uh, mm-hmm. This I looked up uh, their budget is. 17 million dollars apparently uh which oh which uh by um by hollywood standards is jump change it's tiny uh you know if someone gives me 17 million dollars i'm 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 happy with that but in, in <laughs> ho- hollywood terms that's not that much and uh well but, no because you have to keep in mind all the different you know tech the technology you need to make to make the movie, not to mention paying the artists working on the movie and marketing and all that, you know, everything in the sun that you need to do to make a film. That's that that's a lot of money and that more than seventeen million. But you know, if you compare this to some some much more expensive films, I would say it looks a lot nicer. <laughs> no, yeah, and I totally I, I get it because it's. Like, you can definitely see, like, the, on the computer-generated animation, like, you could kind of tell, like, you know, where some of the, uh, you know, the, I want to say, lack, like, lack of, you know, the quality dips, because it, it's always good. But in terms of, like, you can kind of see that they, if they could have spent more money in order to make this look even nicer, they probably would have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it is, what, what they were able to get away with with this movie was wonderful. And I love the fact that it had that continual shift in style from the computer-generated animation into the very nice 2D animation. Yeah, because it doesn't just do that once. It also does it later in the film, which is different. A couple times, yeah, yeah which is nice. And, but it, So you'll get a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sort of... The world that's created by it, it sort of uh, kind of... In a way, it almost looks like it's built from models or something. Uh at mm-hmm. some points but also the other feeling the other feeling I really had was like I want to play this game this this is the best video game they've never made <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it just looks like yeah I played I play a video game based on this like heck yes it you know it does look a bit like a, a 
beautiful platform game that you jump around in. You like, you can sort of. Uh, you know, I just had a thought because I, I really was. I was looking at um, the main character's face. I remember when the trailer for this first came out, uh, Mune, and and I'm looking at him. I'm like, oh god, like. I know this is the first time I'm seeing this, but I feel like I've seen, like, like some of the part of his design looks very familiar. Like, what have I seen? Where have I seen this before? And then, only just yesterday, it kind of hit me, and I'm just remembering this now. Um, it reminds me of Ori, from Ori in the Blind Forest. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that game. It's, um... Oh, God. I forget what studio worked on that game, but it's a, a, a kind of like a Castlevania platformer game. But your play is this little forest spirit, um, who basically the whole point of the game is to bring life back to this giant ancient forest, and you're going from, you know, trekking through this dangerous territory to try and restore it, and a lot of, you know, some of the visual cues between Ori, the main character, you know, the little uh, forest sprite, and Yoon kind of, they kind of struck me as similar, because I definitely like the expressive ears and big eyes, and cute little nose. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're probably, like, inspired by the same thing basically mm-hmm. uh, yeah we should probably uh say a little bit about what it's about <laughs> yeah other, we probably other, should other than just say hey it's really pretty um <laughs> so the movie's really pretty guys just no don't know if we said that yet but we'll say it again <laughs> um, yeah it is it's set in a like a completely fancy world uh where there's a world that's um populated by like two sort of groups of creatures there's creatures who live in the night and creatures who live in the day and uh the um the the night is ruled over by the guardian of the moon and the day is ruled over by the guardian of the sun and uh it's their job to pull the sun across the sky or pull the moon across the sky uh using these awesome they call them temples but they're like big giant creatures with legs that stomp across across the world uh they look kind they yeah they they're kind of sort of like uh creatures that you might see out of uh like uh, not battle of the Col- like ico or something like that i think <laughs> Okay. Yeah, like like battle, uh, shadow shadow of the colossus. Yeah, that's what I'm going for. Yeah, kind of like that. Like, well, one it's interesting because the one with the sun is uh, definitely more like hard stone, like more of like a solid mountain that's just kind of walking on four legs. While the creature that is pulling the moon around, the moon temple, is definitely more organic in nature. It definitely looks more like like a like a bird, like a four legged bird. But it seems that at some point the guardians. Uh, get too old to do their job and they have to nominate a successor and there's going to be there's like a big ceremony passing down uh, to the new the new guardian and uh, of the sun and the moon and uh, you get this um you get this great sequence with all the creatures in the um gathering like in like a amphitheater or whatever to see the ceremony and it's split down the side like the the night creatures on one half and the the sun creatures on the other and they're they're watching the guardian um but basically something goes a little wrong and uh the guy who's supposed to be the guardian of the moon does not become the guardian of the moon but wouldn't you know the guardian of the moon is moon the character out from the movie moon that we're talking about now 
Uh, yeah, he's a um to to say what Moon is, he's uh he's a well, one of the creatures of the night and he's a sort of like almost like a fawn kind of uh creature. They definitely more of like a, you know, they nurture the the forest at night and um he has a particular power to, you know, eliminate bad dreams and make and make good ones. So but uh yeah, so he attends the ceremony, uh, tries to sneak in specifically to uh to see it because when Chanel he messed up the night before so it's like no you're not allowed to go to the ceremony but of course he sneaks any he sneaks in anyway and like you said when Chanel oh guess what who's guess who's really worthy to become the next guardian of the moon it's our ma- our main protagonist I I I've just realized what that bit is almost exactly like it's a bit like kung fu panda where oh, it kind of is <laughs> Where he's like, ah, oh, now we're going to nominate the new Dragon Warrior, and I'm going to point. Oh, look who I pointed at! I pointed at the big fat panda. Well, to be oh. fair, to, to be fair to this movie, the uh, actual Guardian of the Moon did not accidentally choose him. Well, it, it was still accidental, but I love the fact that they had the choice of the Moon Guardian as opposed to the Sun Guardian was more of like a direct nomination, whereas the Moon Guardian was like, okay, we're going to have the purest like animal of like on our on our planet to nominate who is worthy for the uh the guardian of the moon and the little this the most adorable little four-legged creature walks up and like completely walks past the actual uh disciple for the moon guardian position and just goes straight for moon <laughs> and he tries to like push it out of the way he's like no go away i don't want this and then just it just drags him out <laughs> Uh, similar situation, but a little more hilarity, I think. But unfortunately, he's not really cut out to be the Guardian of the Moon, it doesn't seem. And, uh, uh, the, the new Guardian of the Sun isn't very impressed with him either. And, uh, It's a bit of a headstrong guy, that, uh, the new Sun Guardian, uh, by the name of Sohon. Mm-hmm. Very much like the, the classic, you know, he acts as a daring hero, but really is just kind of posturing all the time and uh, to cut a long story short uh, basically a big demon guy called Necros uh, sees the opportunity uh, to steal the sun basically and uh, Moon and uh, the Sahoon and uh, a candle <laughs> called <laughs> a little girl ma- a, a girl made out of wax they're called like a candle people i guess yeah, they call her a candle she's called glim and uh she's the the uh the female character of the film pretty much <laughs> there's not, not many <laughs> others um and they have to go and try and save the day basically so it's yes it's one of these stories of oh the unlikely hero uh, must team up with a a um, unlikely sidekick and save the day type thing. But mm-hmm. as we say, it's the execution that's more interesting because it's very beautiful to look at and it's. Uh, I I described it in my review as looking kind of like if uh, Miyazaki remade Avatar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I don't think you're too far off. Because I don't think that was too far off. Because it does look, you know, it's a f- fancy world that's been created that is not that far off Avatar, like the, in the characters, the creatures, and everything. 
it's mm-hmm. it's the world building is is what makes this film as good as it is mm-hmm. I think uh, and it's just like this completely brilliantly brought to life world that you could feel like you could dive into yeah or like you could you definitely could see like other media made of it like mm-hmm. a, like we were talking about like maybe a video game or like a uh, kind of like a children's storybook kind of thing like kind of feel to it Mm -hmm. and which is really great because i love it when even though you have like a simple story you know simple you know uh underdog you know coming into his own kind of you know story for our protagonist it's still like we get to know a good bit about the you know how the world works and how you know in terms of the guardians and how they're supposed to affect the balance of this particular world and how important they are in terms of you know like say how the 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 Sun Guardian's duties are revolve around, you know, a lot more scientific, you know, explanation than may first be apparent, which I thought was really surprising. Mm-hmm. But even simple things like, you know, you have, like I said, we were the Glim, who is the, there's apparently this, like, this being, like, her and her father live in this house, and they're made of wax, so they obviously cannot be anywhere too cold at night or too warm in the day otherwise you know they'll melt or they'll freeze and i thought that that was even though in terms of like you know glim's purpose of the story i wasn't entirely sure what she was supposed to do in this movie i'm just really kind of happy that just you know just to see something like that's that's a really interesting creative like you know character to design to have in this in this in this uh movie because it's just i've never seen anything like it before it was really fun <laughs> they i i think she mentions at some point where someone says whether she's a creature of the night or the day and she says that um she she basically says she's she's half and half she says uh mm-hmm. says I, i'm of the dawn and dusk or something she says something to those effects because yeah i guess she, her dad is a night creature and um, was a day or some I don't know one of those. <laughs> it's, it's 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 really hard. Like that's part of the that's something in the movie that they didn't really have so hard defined. Like they we definitely get to see uh, creatures of both the night and the day, but we don't. Other than those two characters, we don't see any other creatures that could be you know technically in the world in between in mm-hmm. terms of fact. You know they can't really exist in both day and night, but there's you know there's dawn and dusk, and that's when they're you know that's where they the kind of world that they belong into. But it's it's, it's interesting how they have this world kind of split between two halves, but you still have kind of like that middle ground. Mm-hmm. And it looks really good, like, when you see the globe and it's half in darkness. And... Yeah, split right down the middle when they're having the, both the sun temple and mm. the moon temple are just sent, they're just standing right next to each other, but then the whole planet's just like all the way around, just like half, half in the daylight, half in the moonlight. It's just like, wow, that's kind of really cool. Yeah, it's just got some great imagery in it. And... Mm-hmm. And uh, the <laughs> it's got um, it's got a new dub. Uh, that I thought it's pretty good as well. I haven't I haven't heard the original one, but I think uh, the I think Rob Lowe plays Sahoon, and that was that was a really fun performance. Uh, no, you could tell he was having the ball. Mm-hmm. And the other real standout was um, uh, uh, Pat Oswalt, who plays one of the uh, little uh, henchmen of the the bad guy, 
He's got these two little demon he- henchmen, and Pat Oswalt's one of them. Oh yeah. And the other character is is kind of fun because he's a he's a um he's like a a minion whose heart's not not a not minion as in the from Despicable Me, just minion as in henchman, uh, whose whose heart <laughs> isn't really in it because uh, he doesn't really want to hurt people or anything. <laughs> Yeah, he just like I just want to hold this flower and not make it burn. Yeah. Is that is that too much to ask? <laughs> he's very sad through most of the movie, but just like you kind of you kind of have to feel bad for him because he's just like he's a little little lava monster and he sees the flowers like oh pretty he tries to pick it up it just bursts into flames and the other minion makes fun of him. It's just like aw, <laughs> you know if anything else happens in this movie, I hope things will turn out well for this guy. <laughs> I was kind of expecting it to be it turns around and he ends up like turning at the last minute or something and saving the day but that didn't happen uh spoiler no you know what i I like that i like that they did what they did with that that particular subplot so but well we could probably i guess should we go into spoiler-ish territory now or should we just finish up first i'm trying to think there was something else i was going to say (laughs) i did think about something that spoilery uh um, but no, yeah, I was in, in regards to the voice, the English voice acting. Rob Lowe was definitely one of my favorites in this movie, and then also, um, I I feel terrible that I don't know her. I can't remember her name, but the actress who played Glim, I also did really enjoy. I loved her enthusiasm and energy. I would be very interested to see this movie again in French for sure. Because I mean, like I said, I really enjoyed the English, you know, the the dub that we got uh, that we watched for our particular screening but uh yeah i would i would check out this movie in uh its original language in a heartbeat quite french i'd say in in theater. yeah and I, there were a couple times if i may point out like a minor thing that did i did notice while i was watching this dub is that there were a few moments like with the um the, the dubbing that you could definitely tell that it was in a different you know it, the animation was done for a different language but the voices were uh you know clearly trying to say something else mm. Like the one or two times I noticed this, but most that was only noticed like the one or two times. But everything else was pretty good. So all things considered, considering they had to work around all that, that was good job on on the dubbers. I remembered what I wanted to say before we go into spoilers, uh, and that was that I thought the villain was pretty good as well as as a yeah. He's I'm you know it's not like he's really deep or anything. Just in terms of design and everything, he was quite a fearsome looking fire yeah fearsome monster. looking and there was there was a little like a slight bit of depth there like it wasn't fully explored mm-hmm. I don't think because they did they, the film obviously did not have enough time to dedicate to something like that and because otherwise it would have gotten too crowded but I will say this in terms of because I've seen plenty of like really simple you know, films kind of like kind of like this where it's like the story is relatively simple and straightforward and you know, good versus evil, all that good stuff. And I've seen, you know, villains that are basically, you know, just straight up evil for the lols, you know, kind of not really villains to write home about. But this one, I would say, in terms of those kind of bad guys, would definitely, I would put way up there because the fact that there is a slight degree of depth there that could have been explored. But obviously, like I said, the film did not have time to do so because otherwise it would have lost the focus. But mainly he just looks pretty cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's that. Like I said, all the designs in terms of the characters and the world is just top notch in this. I can see them, sort some of them being uh, um, 
a bit of an acquired taste. Like I'm not. I, like I have to say, that, in my opinion, the actual design of Moon himself is not the most appealing in the world. Uh, yeah. I know. I know you. You are a fan of it. <laughs> but it. I just. I thought there were there were certain aspects of the design I thought were really nice mm-hmm. in terms of like because he, he's a he's supposed to be some kind of like forest fawn mm-hmm. and as far as forest fawns go this is probably one of the cuter cuter designs you could take a you know a, a creature like that and, and make and it was like it was nice it was good it, it does it does uh, he fits the bill and everything it's, it's, <laughs> it's like it's not the most like I guess that's the kind of thing like when I was looking at it at first and thinking I don't know about this maybe you know it's like looking, uh-huh, looking at yeah and I understand why looking at some of the designs but um, and I will say this too. I think actually, in regards to his design, I don't know why. Maybe it's just the fact that the transition between three dimensions and two dimensions. I actually liked his design a lot more in two D than three D. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that again, it's nothing bad about the design. That just, I just think something about when you see the two, you know, his character switch between you know, three dimensions and two dimensions. There was. He, it gained like a little bit of a like a nice bit of charm when it we was depicted in two D. So shall we just sort of sum up before we go into um, more specific details? Uh, okay, yeah. Just, that you should watch Moon. Basically, it's yeah. You should just watch. Go go and if you have the chance to watch this movie, definitely check it out. If you have kids or if you're watching kids and you want to show them a good time take them because i would say probably what, what would you think the age range would probably be if you're gonna take take a family to see this in terms of like little ones because i don't think there's anything in this that'll directly scare them no I, but maybe interest them i think it's suitable for pretty young i would say and you know mm-hmm. and at the same time i don't think it's you know it, i don't think older children would you know would find it too childish or whatever but i think you know mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, I think probably like five year olds would you know five year olds and up. Mm-hmm. They might be they might find the 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 bad guy a bit scary, but other than that, I think <laughs> but that's that's part of childhood. Damn it! No, yeah, um, man, I saw Land Before Time and the Sharp Tooth ty- Tyrannosaurus Rex. Man, that 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 gave me nightmares. If I can live through that, if other kids can live through that, they can live through this. One <laughs> of one of my family stories is is that they always tell is is my my sister when she uh one of her or i don't know if it's her actual first cinema trip or something but uh one of the like re-releases of snow white and uh she fell asleep and then she woke up at a point when it was like the um close-up on the old hag of the um oh yes and you're like ah (laughs) Yo, that's a horrible thing to wake up to. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 But no, yeah, I was say definitely, definitely go see this movie if you get the chance. It's a good, I would say it's a good family outing. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I think it's a really, really uh, good way for G kids to start their, their um, move into CG movies because it's not just, it's not just like another Hollywood CG movie. It's, it looks. It's much more interesting. Like we said, it's kind of like it's almost like um, Avatar for kids kind of thing. But <laughs> well, if 
that doesn't sound too horrible to you. <laughs> it depends what you. No, well, it depends. Some some people love Avatar. Some people really don't mm-hmm. like it because reasons. But in terms of visual style, it it kind of takes a you know I wouldn't say it takes a little bit, but it's inspired by our stuff. Like comes from a similar source as like in terms of the visuals. So if you want something that's really visually interesting to show your kids, then yeah, this is the movie to take them to. Okay, with that said, we are now going to get into some more slightly spoilerific details for a little bit. So if you don't want to hear that, then uh, skip ahead to <laughs> a few minutes down the line for the rest of the water cooler. Or c- come back and watch the film and then come back. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. When you get the chance. When you get the chance. Uh, but, yeah, like, it, it's hard to say, like, in terms of specific details, in terms of... Uh, this movie other than what we've already covered, but there were just a few things, like, in terms of, uh, one thing, the big question that I had after finishing this movie is, like, they go into a bit of depth talking about how, really, the villain of this film was, you know, a former Guardian that was corrupted, which I thought was a really nice, interesting twist to kind of take into this story, but it did leave some pretty, like, uh, at least one question, the burning question that I've had since I watched the movie, like, okay, where did the corruption start? Where where did that come from? Well, there's there's, there's two former guardians in there, isn't there? Because there's also the um yeah, there is. There's the one who's like the sea monster who turns out to have been former mm-hmm. moon guardian, and uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. There was like a whole there was a you know a pair of guardians that just either just did not do their job and that were eventually you know. Take, you know the, the the positions were taken over, but you know some obviously something really bad happened to the you know the guardian of the sun at the time, and um, the next the one that would follow him up was the one who put a stop to him, whereas the moon guardian of the time basically just was too much of a coward and kind of left the mm-hmm. job to someone else, which is which is was a really nice touch because I like the way he comes back and uh, set things right. Mm-hmm. That was probably one of my favorite moments in the movie, but um, no, yeah, that was I just I really kind of thought that that was it was there that the movie kind of gained a bit more depth for me in terms of the fact that okay there was like you know the villain who we have is you know is a villain but not there's more to it than that a slightly more to it than that but i just want to know like where where did those snake things come from mm-hmm. what are they <laughs> what 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 was what where is what is their function in this world other than just to make things evil <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. They just come on and they go, ah. Yeah. They, they, we just come and mess things up for everybody. Yeah. Because conflict is important in a movie. Um, I, I think it's interesting, like, similarities between the end of this and Moana, actually. Yeah, actually, you know what? I didn't think about that right away, but like I, I felt something familiar about the ending, the way this film ended, and like I felt like I had seen it before. And you're right, it was Moana. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> so yeah, if you if you've seen the both, then you'll know what we mean. Um, <laughs> uh, one thing I did feel though is. The sort of need to put in a romantic subplot felt unnecessary. (laughs) 
Oh, when which, which subplot? What, what, the what, one with the, moon, the minions. Moon, no, Moon and Glim. Oh, of course. Okay, no. Yeah, you know what? I I do agree with you on that because it was it did feel somewhat forced. Not like not to the point, you know, forced to the point it felt like absolutely painful. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, like this is what we're this is what we're in for. It was more of like I was watching it as it was, you know, started to come to a head. I'm like, oh, okay, it, <laughs> sure, it's, it's fine. It's kind of a pet hate of mine of when they force one in when there's no need to, like particularly when it's a film that's involving either children or animals, and it's like, no, mm-hmm. you don't. Like the worst one I always think of is there was this, not this, not that great um, UK made. <laughs> CG movie called Valiant about um, peng- uh, pigeons in World War Two. Oh, right. I think I've heard of that. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. And I th- had the had the um, uh, Ewan McGregor and uh, uh, as the main voice of the pigeon called mm-hmm. Valiant, and it also had Ricky Gervais in it. Um, <laughs> and that had like, and it's like they spent time working out now what what do pigeons look like when they kiss and it's like no you don't need to do that they're pigeons just yeah just not necessary (laughs) we don't need that and it's we don't need to be that anthropomorphic guys and it's like it felt a bit like that it's like no you don't need to put that in there why can't you have another reason to have a female character in them other than them being a love interest you know, I would have been fine if they'd just been, you know, really close platonic friends. Mm-hmm. Like, just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. You know, because obviously Yoon was relatively, like, lonely. He wasn't really accepted by, uh, you know, too many of the other uh, creatures of the night. And Glim was definitely lonely because of the fact that she wasn't allowed to go out and see things. So it would have been a lot of fun if, you know, just, like, you know, after all that had happened, that, you know, just like, oh, no, hey, just come and travel with me on the temple. We'll have a time, and then just like, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, I wouldn't that though. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, like, like I said, at least regards, like, yes, it is definitely forced in there, for sure. But it's, it, like I said, it was not in your face unbearable in terms of like, like, okay, they are going through this romantic cue and this romantic cue and this romantic cue. It was just you know it wasn't it was it was a little bit more subtle. The only other at least to start with the only other sort of criticism I would have is that I kind of felt like um, the they kind of cheated a bit the climax when they went into the I mean this is weird coming from me as as someone who's always like yeah two D animation yay. Uh, I kind of, the, they sort of the fact that they went into 2D animation for like that pivotal moment because it went into like a dream world or whatever mm-hmm. it felt like a tiny bit of a cheat to me oh um which part are you referring to is it the, the, the dream world sequence or the part after that like the dream world bit where it's like the, cli- at the climatic moment like it goes into oh when he's when he finally uh when they finally stop necros yeah. oh okay that yeah mm. yeah i guess i guess in a i can understand where you're coming from that feeling that's a bit of a cop out because like if it was it just felt too easy like as soon as like that happened then it was done 
that that did kind of feel like maybe that was a bit of a budget saver rather than having a big <laughs> big climatic action scene or whatever but mm-hmm. yeah it, it's it's a minor grumble really <laughs> Well, yeah, because, I mean, part of the reason why it was good to, you know, kind of keep things short and sweet, because, like, you know, obviously the running time's running a little bit longer, and, uh, you know, want to try and wrap up the film and, you know, complete the story, because sometimes if you try to make a climax too big, you get you risk the chance of it getting away from you, and they had already had plenty of other things, you know, going on at the time, like you had the the supposed loss of another character, um, and then, you know... Sahone was getting his butt whooped, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I this, yeah, I can definitely see why that was a bit of a cop out. But I don't know, I still kind of enjoyed it for what it was. No, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I, I was overall very happy with it as a film, and <laughs> I would say it was a very pleasant surprise. That I, I was really, I was taken aback by how much I enjoyed it. So. Yeah, I know. So was I. same here. So if, if I'm when I really get down to it, so was I. Because I was definitely looking at the trailer was a little hesitant, but no, yeah, it was. It was. I'm glad. I'm really glad I saw it. Yes, thanks to G Kids for letting us. Thank you. And watch that. So catch it when you can. <laughs> if you can, <laughs> which I'm sure you can soon. Um, yeah, if you're not don't have a chance to watch it in theaters, keep an out keep an eye out for it when it comes out on DVD and Blu-ray. So, shall we um, mosey on down to the water cooler for some other things that we've been watching? Yeah, because I actually got something pretty pretty important to talk about that I actually just watched this morning, so I am ready. I, I, I could just quickly go over a couple of things just to get them out of the way. <laughs> uh, sure, sure. Um, I Last week I talked about the film, school, the, the, the anime series School Live. Uh, mm-hmm. I was about halfway through, uh, which was the uh, the rather unexpected anime of cute anime girls doing cute anime things in their cute anime club, and then zombies. <laughs> it's like, but in reality, zombies, and just like it's all in this girl's head, and I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> I remember you talk, hearing you talk about that last episode, and I'm just like, wait, wait a minute, what? Huh? <laughs> So mainly if you want to hear about it Listen to the last episode or read my review uh, But I just want to follow up And say It it basically It made it uh, Made the landing Not made the landing what? Stuck, stuck the, the landing. landing That's the word I'm looking at yeah, It stuck the landing And <laughs> it, um, it pulled off the rest of the series Being really good as well And it got pretty sad In places Oh no And it, it did some things that I was that you're kind of like no that's against the rules you're not allowed to do that uh oh and um it, I was very impressed and you can read my full review on the uh the new look animationforadults.com because <laughs> yeah since the last time we've recorded we've launched our very shiny very shiny new look uh yeah and you may have noticed if everyone of those yeah, if anyone you notice and really enjoying it, um, I'm going to tell you right now, give a big round of applause or send out your thank yous to this man here because he did a whole ton of work in terms of getting it all spiffy and ready to put out there for you guys to enjoy, and especially and make it more mobile compatible because that, ma- that was our major 
goal was to make sure that you know our format was both was good for both uh, desktop and mobile devices. So definitely send Mr. Chris Perkins your <laughs> thank yous and your appreciation for the new look because a lot of most of that was him. Uh. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> you. Go on, Chris. Take a bow. Take a bow. That works well on, on audio. Take an audio audio yeah. bow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, of course it does. Or at least pat yourself on the back. Something. One, one of those two. Uh, I also had. I'm not going to say a whole lot about it, but I I did finally watch when Marnie was there, uh, the film from Hiramasa Yonobayashi uh, with Studio Ghibli, and it's interesting. I will say, in that, I have now realised that he does have a bit of bit of his style of his own. Uh, I mean, his films obviously just like Studio Ghibli films. Uh, but he <laughs> he has particular elements that he is keen on, just like Miyazaki does or Takahata does, and that seems to be that he likes uh, things based on British novels, because uh, mm-hmm. Arietti, British novel translated to Japan, uh, when Mani was there, British novel translated to Japan, and now um, Mary and the Witch's Flower is another British novel. Uh, and based on Arietti, and when Mani was there, he likes uh, stories about sick children. Uh, so <laughs> he's he's got elements cropping up. Um, but auteur elements, yeah, I guess yeah. you could say. He he's got his own little um, repertoire. He likes to pull up, and obviously it's a Ghibli film, so it's very pretty. It's um, I I was I don't think I was expecting it to be set in modern day for some reason. Um, I think I think everything just made me think it was um like a set in the past, but it it's actually set now or thereabouts. So I was like a bit mm-hmm. surprised that like, when there was a mobile phone. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> oh, this is now. <laughs> okay. Um, but it it's quite sad. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I knew I knew that was going to be the case from the get go when they were, like I was watching the trailers. Like you, it's hard to get a really like good grasp of the story from the trailers, but it looked like it definitely was going to be an emotional roller coaster. And my God, I have taken way too long to see this movie. So hopefully one day I will look. I'll look at the DVD in the the store, and I'll just realize that I have enough money to in my my pocket money to pick it up and take it home and watch it but for some reason every single time I've seen it I'm like oh I need to pick that up and then I look at my pocketbook and I'm like no there's nothing in there why but it, it's a very lovely film very sad very pretty mm. uh, and very ghibli and, <laughs> and I'd be shocked if it wasn't and yes I, I look forward to watching it again <laughs> so <laughs> So hopefully next time I, when I when I watch it I'll be able to talk with you about it because yeah. been meaning to do that. Yeah, and I should I should probably uh, rewatch it so that I can review it. Yay! Nice. Because <laughs> I, I I watched it when I was feeling under the weather, so <laughs> not really probably best time to review it because I might not have taken it all in, but soon soon I will. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Okay, that's that's pretty much me done with the watercolor. I have been watching other stuff, including Rick and Morty, but season three. But I figure we'll probably do like a a um, series recap when that's done. I guess 
Yeah, probably probably wait until we see what the whole season has to mm-hmm. offer, and then we'll just offer our thoughts on that. I've been meaning to get uh, started on watching that, but unfortunately I've been trying to... I haven't had the time to track it down, but I will have some time free time coming up soon, and uh, I have a few good friends who have been very eager to watch uh, season three, so I'll be able to just like, sit down with them and go through it as, you know, all the recent episodes, so I'm caught up. I would just say this, though. I'm Pickle Rick. <laughs> I turned myself into a pickle, Morty. <laughs> just, like, no other reason to start an episode, just just that. Just start it with that, and then, okay, I'm ready for the ride. The thing is, the thing <laughs> is though, that, you know, I've, I've seen the trailer of that, and I've read, you know, read all the hype and everything, and I watched that episode, and still, it's one of the funniest things ever. Even, even... Yeah, it's just like, how do they do it, Chris? How do they do it? I don't know. It's witchcraft. It's it's <laughs> witchcraft happens, and then there's an awesome Rick and Morty episode. Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. I accept that explanation. I I believe you got to watch something today that I'm not at all jealous about. I did, and I'm really happy I got to see it the first thing this morning. Like, I literally, my alarm went off, and I checked, like, oh, crap, it's time, and then I ran downstairs, because here in the United States, at, like, midnight this morning, you know, like, midnight and onward, DuckTales 2017 Mm -hmm. finally premiered with its hour-long pilot, and it lives up to the hype, for sure. I enjoyed it very much, and I can. I'll try to avoid uh, spoilerific details, and I'll try to stay light. And for those of you, you know, those of you who haven't yet to see it, so you can still be genuinely surprised by some things. But I do want to just kind of go into a few things that I want to get off my chest right away. You probably hear a lot of other people who've seen the premiere and uh, like the first, very first episode to you know probably say similar things. But we do definitely get a better idea of the family dynamic because one of the big pitches for DuckTales, uh, the DuckTales reboot, is the focus on family. And you definitely get a good grasp on what kind of that family dynamic they're kind of trying to go for in this show right off the bat in terms of, uh, you know, the the personality traits of, you know, Huey, Dewey, and Louie and how they're going to interact off each other and the other characters, Webby's focus, you know, how the narrative interaction between Scrooge and the three nephews is going to play out. And also with the inclusion of Donald Duck, which is going to be very interesting um, later down the line. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how that is explored. It's still, it's not a perfect pilot. There are definitely a few things like in terms of uh, maybe a little bit, the pacing in the second half that I thought was a little off, but I think it's just because they're trying to set up a lot of things that they're probably going to be revisiting down the line. Like they're definitely kind of like maybe following not necessarily exact, identically like Gravity Falls, but definitely kind of laying a few uh, plot elements or character elements down, like, on the board to try, like, okay, we're going to revisit that here, or we're going to make an episode focused on this, etc. But for sure, the spirit of adventure and discovery and just overall fun tone is def- from the original cartoon is definitely here. Just with a quirky modern twist. But um, let's see other elements that I'm trying to talk about before we, you know, move on. But uh, one of the things I really I was able to get a better handle on, at least that's you, you've we've kind of gotten a bit more of a idea with the promotional material that came out of Comic Con in terms of the dynamic between the, the Huey, Dewey, and Louie, because those were the the biggest blank slates 
of the series, um, the original DuckTales, that they, you know, that had that could afford to be expanded upon. And I really like what they went with, because something I noticed, especially in this episode, when we are introduced to the, uh, the trio, is that each one of them has something in common with Scrooge, whether they know it or not. Uh, Huey is the eldest of the trio, and he's definitely more of a semi-responsible, he's definitely more of the brain kind of character. So he's very orderly, he's very, um, you know, into planning things, and um, he's definitely more into, like, the facts and knowledge of, you know, adventure as opposed to actually doing said adventure. That's more left to the uh, attention-starved middle child that is Dewey Duck. Hmm. Who is a very you? You can definitely tell from some of like the promo material that he's much more a doer than the other three, and more you know get involved in adventure. You know he hears death traps, he runs straight for the death traps <laughs> because death traps are cool. <laughs> so definitely there was there was a good bit of focus on him in uh, the first two episodes, which was pretty fun because I, he's definitely he becoming my favorite really quickly. But, um, so you definitely see, like, there's a similarity between him and Scrooge in terms of, you know, they both long for adventure. Whereas the youngest of the triplets, Louis Duck, is definitely, you know, he's the youngest, so he definitely tries to get away with more. A bit lazy. And also, uh, tad materialistic. Definitely, like, you, you see him enter, like, one of the hidden areas where Scrooge has a lot of his uh, old, like, treasure items hidden away and he starts put, putting post-it notes on them. And I believe one of the other tw- uh, triplets asked him, well, you know, Louis, what are you doing? He's like, I'm, I'm calling dibs on these. These are mine. <laughs> I'm gonna take these. <laughs> but you can definitely tell he's definitely got money on the mind or looking to make a quick buck, so which is gonna be an interesting balance between uh, balancing act between him and Scrooge, because Scrooge, while he is definitely rich and he loves money, that is not his primary uh, focus. He's definitely more of an adventure seeker in this particular incarnation, and uh, he's always been about, you know, if you're going to make money, make it honestly, and not try to make a quick buck the easy way. So that'll be an interesting relationship to see develop, but more than all the other characters, I'm looking forward to interact with Scrooge. It's actually Donald Duck, believe Mm -hmm. it or not. Because you could definitely, in the first time you they see each other in this premiere, you can definitely sense some tension between them. Like, there's something something that happened a long time ago, or at least a couple years back, that kind of separated the two, or they left them on not good terms. And they're definitely laying the groundwork of patching that up, but also kind of having to reopen some old wounds there. Which is really kind of daring to do with this, uh, with a property and characters that Disney's whole, you know, beloves so much. The fact, like, okay, we're depicting this family of, you know, characters that we, you know, has been in our, you know, library for a long time. You know, we know Donald Duck, we know his family, we know Daisy Duck and the triplets and Scrooge McDuck, but in terms of, like, their actual relationship dynamic, like, nothing, it's not a, it's not a perfect setup from what they're doing. There's still, you know, like, an everyday kind of, like, you know, there's good bits and there's not so good bits, which is good. It's, it's a realistic portrayal of family, and I'm, I'm enjoying the potential that this show definitely has and has yet to really act upon, but it's, it's the groundwork is there. Yep. So, yeah, it's, it's good. And the animation is on point. Like, basically all the trailer images, like an opening animation, like, it almost is that kind of level of quality all the way yeah. through. So, two thumbs way, way up. Uh, I saw... Um, don't know if you saw it. They... Apparently, did a little DuckTales 
um, promo for cinemas uh, where it starts off um, with the the opening titles and then someone's phone goes off and uh, it's 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 basically you know a PSA about turning your your phone off in the fo- in the cinema and uh, there was a little special promotional one with DuckTales where it starts off with opening titles and it gets in- oh that's it gets interrupted by someone's mobile and like <laughs> duck comes in goes and to turn it off or whatever it was great basically ev- no, yeah, everything no. to do with this new DuckTales seems to be awesome so <laughs> <laughs> no it's great and again like great setup love the, the actors all do a wonderful job launchpad is as hilarious and lovable as ever so that's i'm glad that hasn't changed at all that they left that time if you ain't broke don't fix it you know mm-hmm. but enough enough has been reworked to in order to serve the purpose of telling better stories that I think this is that's it, this is definitely going to give this show a bit of more of an edge than the over the original. And the original was great. It's still wonderful, wonderful show. And if you haven't seen the original, if you can track it down, definitely see it. But for new audience and fans of the old series, if you're not still not sure, you know, haven't been convinced by what you've seen from the promo material, at least look at the pilot and check it out because it was a lot of fun. I cannot ex- I cannot express that enough. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Woo! Yes, indeed. But even funny, like you can tell, Disney's really pushing this because uh, at least when I was looking on the recording uh, for the television schedule, I swear, like I was looking at it, and it started literally from twelve in the morning, and they were literally marathoning the first episode all day on Disney XD. It's like I think they're, I think Disney's really trying to push this show, guys. <laughs> I'm really, like, I, I, the whole freaking day, I don't think I've ever seen, at least not in a long time, them try and push something so hard. But you know what? If they've got the, if it's got the chops to back it up, I'm glad they are. Awesome. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's DuckTales 2017. Check it out if you can, and hopefully we'll see if we get the overseas for you guys to see. <laughs> yeah. Soon, sometime very soon, I'm sure. Disney, get to work on it. <laughs> but, um, not too much else other for me this week. There was one small thing in terms of that. It just came out, uh, yesterday on the, uh, on August 11th. Um, uh, more promotional material for a video game that I'm very excited for that's going to be coming out on August, that's coming out on August 15th. So probably by the time we get this episode out, it'll have already, uh, been released to, um, PlayStation 4 and all the Nintendo Switch and Xbox One. And that is Sonic Mania, the uh, latest Sonic the Hedgehog game, which has kind of taken a bit of a bit of a trip back in time, back to the classic days of uh, Sonic the Hedgehog video game design, where it's more based off of the, you know, Sonic 1, Sonic 2, and Sonic 3 and Knuckles. But one of the things that I had me grab you know grab me about this particular project not was just this idea that we were you know getting a mo- like a modern style developed you know by fans uh, classic Sonic game but the promotional material that they've been putting out in terms of animation has been really well done like very similar in the style if anyone's played out there's played Sonic CD it's very much in the style of uh, that opening sequence that kind of bookended that game 
and um, all of which has been done uh, by Tyson Hess, a gentleman who worked on the Archie comic book series for Sonic the Hedgehog before it unfortunately had to be retired or moved on to um, IDW. And I have to say, I remember uh, seeing some of Tyson's work in terms of, you know, just his art style, and I really do enjoy it, but this is, you know, these were actual instances of me first, like, ever seeing any of animation he'd ever done, and I have to say, I really, really dig it. Both him and his team did an amazing job uh, with the uh, animated opening for Sonic Mania, which went up on uh, August 11th, and it's it's something pretty special. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't have quite the, the <laughs> knowledge, I don't think, of Sonic that you do. I've played some of the classic games back in the day, and I've watched some of the old cartoons at some point, uh, mm-hmm. but I, uh, I've even played some of the more recent games, but um, <laughs> so I can't really, you know, say how well this compares or anything, but animation was, was good and looked cute and old school, and I enjoyed it, so that's all I can say about it, really. Yes. Yeah, it's very bouncy, very kind of lighthearted, definitely in like the, like I said, kind of a similar style to Sonic CD, which is really cool. But I like the fact that it looks like this was definitely animated and um, I can't tell how much of this, more of this is computer drawn or hand drawn, but it's, I think with the fluidity of motion, it, it seems more computer, but it's really well done 2D computer animation and it's just, it oozes charm. To the point, it's just like, oh, I'm, you know, I look forward to seeing if there are any more wonderful pieces of animation that Tyson and his team will be bringing us for the Sonic franchise in the future because it's definitely kind of recaptured a little something because the modern designs are really nice and I, you know, and when they're done right, but it's it's really it's been really pleasant to kind of revisit the classic style to see you know what it can do when it's really put to the test in animation and it's it still holds up I think. So, yeah, congratulations to Tyson Hess and his team. And um, def- if you haven't seen the animation, uh, opening animation, definitely look at it if you're a Sonic fan. And if not, if you're just an animation fan like some good 2D animation, it's really pleasant. And uh, if you haven't looked at any other of uh, Tyson's work, follow him on Twitter. He's got a Twitter account. And uh, see what he- keep keep up to date with what he's up to. But that about does it for me. And I think that might as well wrap us up for this particular episode. We've been talking for quite a bit, but we were able to cover a lot of stuff. Lots of news, lots of awesome content for uh, the latest G-Kids release for uh, Mune and DuckTales and a whole bunch of stuff. And also getting to hear some more about how School School Live was able to wrap up. I'm really happy that 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 stuck the landing. Because sometimes a series will start and then it will kind of flub around and then maybe even not land quite on its feet as well, but I'm glad to hear that that one did, because that had a really promising premise. But yeah, thank you so much for those of you who are sticking around with us for this long and uh, listening to us talk about animation. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, If if you want to give us a shout-out on any of our social media uh, areas, you can go ahead and visit us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Pinterest, and on Instagram and quite a few others, I think. Um, but also in terms of our podcast, we're on a few other places as well. Podcast.com, Stitcher, and iTunes if you want to download this episode and other episodes of the podcast. But you can also find them on our podcast tab on the website. 
if you aren't already there. And if you want to follow any of us personally, uh, Chris, where can we find you on social uh, you media? Can find me at Mr. Chris Dor on both Twitter and Facebook. Very good. And you can find me mostly on Twitter. I tend to hang out on Twitter a lot. And you can find me at Fail2Ninja. And as always, if you want to support what we're doing, feel free to check out our Patreon page. There is a link to that on the website as well as our coffee page if you want to buy us a virtual cup of coffee because we always appreciate the support that you guys, any support you guys can give us because we love, we love talking about animation and we love being able to share that information with you guys and offer you a place to, you know, kind of gather, learn stuff about animation, but also just kind of have fun. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us for today's episode, and we will hopefully be back soon with another episode coming your way. So, take care, everybody, and hope you have a lovely Yay. week. Bye. Take care. Life is like a hurricane here in Duckburg. Race cars, lasers, airplanes. It's a Duckburg. Might solve a mystery. Hurry.